our friend Al Bat joining us now. Good morning, Al. Hey, top of the day from the greater Heartland area. All uh, 200 or so of us uh, <laughs> greet you greet you today and thanks for playing the possum came to town i i got to hear it this time last time i kind of heard a little bit of it but i was yapping on the phone oh. at the same time so but this time i was clear of uh, of any sort of communication other than than oral i, I got the a-u-r-a-l i got to hear it so it, thank you, know, you very much the grousing about the little possums i uh, actually was on a bike ride with my husband last night and there was a little dead animal on the road and it was a little poor little possums they they just don't they don't have very good eyesight is that is that it or are they just clumsy yeah they have really poor eyesight they're slow moving uh they have uh, a tiny brain like I had in the advanced <laughs> math class with trigonometry or whatever it was that they were the poor teacher was trying to teach me. They are, uh, I like possums. Uh, I would tell everyone, if you're lost in the woods, find a possum and he will lead you to the middle of a road. <laughs> so they are, they're wonderful little guys, uh, but they're just I I had one, oh, two winters ago, maybe in my yard, it came out and ate, and I'd throw him out bits of apple hmm. and uh, just toss it out, and he liked them, and, and he'd run into a shepherd's hook every so often, oh, just dear. head first, to bang, right into that shepherd's hook. You I know, do that just, sometimes, too, <laughs> <laughs> when no, I stand up from... Just <laughs> <laughs> what, what do they eat normally? Anything. Oh, so do they eat Grap and Japanese beetles too? You know, I, I <laughs> would imagine they would. Oh, okay. Because uh, I, I can't imagine anything being out there that a possum would not eat. They're Aww. just. Uh, my mom would say they're they're really good eaters. Uh, so that's uh, I, I like seeing them. I think they're cute, and they. I know that uh, some people say that oh, they'll get in the garden and do some things, but uh, yeah. I do that too. <laughs> I get in the garden and do some things. So. I want to thank the University of Minnesota, the Mankato Rotary Club, and First Presbyterian of Mankato for letting me uh, speak to them. No, I wasn't in any of those places. It was all uh, all Zoom or Google or one of those wonderful things. So it's the way of the world today. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of that, I still walk to the mailbox. I love the post office. Yes. If there's any male men, male women, post office folks listening, thank you. And uh, boy, our thoughts are my thoughts are with you. But down by the mailbox, there were butterflies puddling. And no, it wasn't going to the bathroom or anything. They were by a little, oh, they were obtaining sodium and other minerals concentrated in a little moist spot on a sandy roadside. And I often see sulfurs, cabbage whites, azures, swallowtails, red-spotted purple butterflies engaged in such activity. Most are males seeking nutrients. And they will, if you see these folks, they will allow approach much more so than they would probably otherwise. Because they're all you know, they're at the bar having a drink, so they're just not going to pay attention <laughs> to things. And that leads to photo opportunities. And if you want even more, you can make puddling stations. You can fill a shallow pan or dish, a pie tin, saucer, and you can dig it into the ground a little bit or push it into the soil. 
and then sprinkle a little salt on it or maybe add overripe fruit. I found that bananas work really well. You can put stale beer on it, or you can put leaf or oh, manure compost would work, too. Sounds and like you're water. trying to attract slugs there a bit. <laughs> it's like a <laughs> yeah. slug recipe almost. A lot of insects like the stale beer. Yeah. I, uh, in, in, when you get the, the thing going, the puddling thing there, water it a little bit to keep it okay. moist. And I'll bet you get some butterflies. And it's oh. really cool to see all those. I, I counted, you know, it's hard to count those little butterflies because they keep jumping into the air and flying around. But I figured 80 of these little azures, these tiny little blue guys, uh, when they close up, their wings are pretty much white. But when they're flying, they're just these, they're like, miniature blue morphos out there at least to my eye and i just love seeing them uh i strive to wax eloquently on average observations to everybody that has a working ear uh, i feel like we can't love what we don't understand we can't understand what we don't love and i love the natural world and want to learn more about it I'm out looking out at my bird feeders. I have learned that old bird feeders never die. They're just duct taped. <laughs> I have a sunflower feeder here. Uh, it's it's like it's in intensive care, and people are saying, is that feeder going to make it? <laughs> I have Orioles. Especially young Orioles are still jam up and jelly tight at a jelly feeder. They're just lined up to take turns. I'm seeing catbirds. It's gray poupon mustard and gray goose vodka, G-R-E-Y, but it's gray catbird, G-R-A-Y. Eastern chipmunk populations, everybody says, are high in their yards. I'm hearing that from a lot of folks. I don't drive around as much as I used to, but some who do tell me that 13-line ground squirrel numbers are elevated as well. I'm seeing a hint of fall in the red leaves of Virginia creeper that's twining around trees. Uh, twin fawns in the yard, they're kind of a well, terrible twos. Uh, their gangliness will soon be replaced with fluidity and fleetness. I don't think gangliness is a valid Scrabble word, but it, it fits the young fawns. I checked the rain gauge. Well, we didn't get any rain, but I check it anyway. I mm-hmm. just have to check the rain gauge. That's the part I get the mail, I check the rain gauge. A fox squirrel walked up and smelled all my toes. She might have been counting them. Uh, I was wearing sandals, so the toes were hanging out. And then she climbed the post, hosting the rain gaze, to say hello. And it's a squirrel that my wife and I adopted from the good folks at the Wildlife Rehabilitation Center. The squirrel appeared well and prospering. We don't see her all the time because squirrels spend... Oh, 60% of their time sleeping. A study found that they average 14.9 hours of sleep each day in a nest called a dray, composed of twigs and sticks and lined with moss, bark, grass, and leaves. And the nest is typically built at least 20 feet high in the fork of a tall tree. It's common for squirrels to have a second and third nest to use in emergency to hide from a predator and they also use them as a food storage sort of a pantry and as a rest stop so they'll (laughs) use it for nap 
you come to the feeders and you eat so much and you say, boy, I should go home, but I am so <laughs> tired. So they'll go to a, their third nest and have a nap so they can get up and then go to their regular nest and go to bed. We all, we all know men like that where they just trying to watch the TV and they need that rest stop at a sofa. I've seen some gulls flying over. It looks like uh, maybe some Franklins and then certainly ring-billed. Uh, Kurt Nelson of Albert Lee was in Florida when he put his hearing aid on an outdoor table. Uh -oh. And a bird flew down, he said, and grabbed it, and oh, it no. never brought his hearing aid back. And I suspect it had been a gull, and they show little remorse for their thievery. Oh, the, uh, there's swallows flying uh, high above the yard feeding, and the famed swallow that returns to Mission San Juan Capistrano in California is the cliff swallow. When I was a dear boy, it was called a bridge swallow, and it returned to the dentist's office once a year. Yeah, the dentist thing is fake news. That's not really <laughs> true, but with the expansion of all the road infrastructure, the swallows adopted bridges, overpasses, and culverts as colonial nesting sites. And I've heard them called jug swallows, J-U-G, because of the jug shape to their nest. Glenn Rave of Fairmont, he has cicada killer wasps right near his door. And he said, is there a spray? He has a puppy and he's afraid, our dog, he's afraid it's going to bite him and get stung and those sort of things. You know, if you note, I like, I have to always say this, I like cicada killer wasps. I just think they're so interesting. But if you notice new holes or a developing nest, you can try applying what Glenn is doing. I think he was using tempo dust at, at the hole's entrance. What is it called? Uh, Temp no, tempo, T-E-M-P-O? Tempo. Yeah, oh. I hope I'm right on that. Otherwise, just, you know, go to a garden center and they can, they'll advise you. When the holes are new, you still have the uh, potential to take care of the, um, both the larvae and the adults. Uh, <laughs> insecticidal dust of some kind in and around the burrow entrance. Uh, covering a wasp hole or filling it with mulch can deter the wasp if you block them when they first appear. Or drenching the burrows with just water can be effective. Frequently water the soil around that area so it's consistently damp and moist. The wasps prefer soil that is dry and solid since, well, it'd be a lot easier to dig through. So, again, they're good guys. I like them, and, but uh, I certainly understand. I know some people have allergic reactions to wasp stings. Uh, these wasps are really nice. Yeah, I had my first sting last night. Apparently, you mentioned they like to go in holes and stuff, and I was out picking Japanese beetles off my hibiscus plant, and just behind me, there's a, a garage door, you know, a small, not the garage door, but, you know, the small one you get in. And under that, there's some concrete or whatever, and, and they have a hole under there. And I've been noticing them coming in and out, you know, going in and out the wasp. I don't know what kind they are. And I was just ignoring them, doing my Japanese beetle thing. But I must have, like, stepped in the way of one or something, and I got a sting on the leg. I felt this just like a bad, bad pinch and went, oh, you know, and said some some flowery words of course and, and no oh. <laughs> and sure it yeah and sure enough um you know i had got stung by one and boy does that hurt and you know it's right on the door so you're going in and out and 
I am, of course, one for preserving the pollinators, but when it's dangerous like that, I'm kind of wondering, these obviously have been established because I've noticed them for quite a while. So you were mentioning that these things help when they're maybe first established. How about some that have been there for a while and maybe are more dangerous like that? It sounds like you probably have yellow jackets. Well, and, uh, probably. <laughs> yeah, the, they, they hurt a yeah. lot. Yeah. I've been stung by about everything. I've never been stung by a cicada killer, but I've I've been stung more times than I can count by yellow jackets. The two worst stings I've found are yellow jackets and bald-faced hornets. Mm. They're the most painful. And uh, every year I get stung at a picnic, it seems, by a yellow jacket for no apparent reason. I'm just kind of, you know, maybe I put my elbow down on top of it. I guess that'd be a reason for the wasp. But I'm not bothering them. And, oh, it, hurts. it really hurts. Yeah. yeah. And the good thing is it goes away fairly quickly. But, oh, it hurts a lot. So, yeah, some of the wasp dust available at a fine garden centers everywhere would certainly work on the yellow jackets. So, you know, I'm always concerned about the, the bees and other pollinators. You know, that's what i very good about trying to protect them. So I don't want to hurt anything else. So if I did that, is there a way I could sure the others? Or is it mainly going to be those guys going in and out of the hole and coming in contact with it? Yeah, I think that that's the answer. And most of these are dusts that go right in the hole. And uh, as far as I know, I can't speak for all the products, but I think uh, a lot of those are pretty concentrated to one area. So I would hope and I would certainly ask when I get a, a product of any kind that it's not going to harm in the good guys. Okay. And you. yellow jackets, for the most part, are good guys, except this time of year they start <laughs> uh, as we get more, as we run out of summer and get into autumn, they will start getting a little surlier because they start running out of some food. And then when it starts getting cool, then they get pretty nasty and come to picnics and just... What do they like to Uncle eat? Earl, <laughs> you know, at the picnic, that's how they get. They uh, like insects, but they oh. love uh, oh, they love meat and they love oh, a Mountain Dew can that they can yeah. crawl into the hole <laughs> at a picnic. So they're just, they're not... Uh, welcome guests. You know, we always kid about ants coming to picnics, but ants are fairly well behaved. They take a crumb that's fallen, and they're pretty good. Uh, These guys, they become real aggressive, and for the earlier part of the summer, they're they're nice to have around. They don't bother us much, but... Well, when you say they like insects, there are so many Japanese beetles and aphids around there. Shouldn't that have been... I mean, is that why they're there, do you think, or or isn't that the kind of insect they like? Yeah, they would certainly be getting, uh, uh, I don't know about the Japanese beetle. If they could get one of the grubs, they probably mm. would take that. Uh, they will attack honeybee hives. Oh. Both them and bald-faced hornets will attack hives and kill a lot of honeybees. Oh. So they're, uh, they uh, and eat honeybees. So they will eat pretty much anything. And they are... Uh, I have seen yellow jackets and bald-faced hornets at our hives, and oh my goodness, uh, talk about amazing warriors. They are just, um, the bees come out and try to fight them, but it's, um, you know, 20 honey honeybees against that one wasp is not a, a fair fight, and the ones I've seen, they're just amazing. Um, 
Mick Hansen of Albert Lee said, Hi, Al, this last week this hawk has been hanging around the yard, often on the ground. Dog barks at it, and I can get rather close before it flies. Appears healthy, wondering what variety is and any other info you could share with us. It's a young red-tailed hawk, and I imagine why he's there, Mick, is he's probably hungry. Uh, red-tailed hawk, young ones, uh, young bald eagles, they aren't all very effective hunters, and that's why you'll sometimes see red-tailed hawks feeding on roadkill. So I imagine he's just uh, trying to—he's just trying to figure the world out, you know, where he goes to find food and all these kind of things. There's, there's no online class for these guys, so they have to figure it out themselves. Uh, Dave Hunter said, "Every year the Japanese beetles come." Somebody else asked about Japanese beetles when they're here. Uh, late, late June is, mm-hmm. but July and August are yes. when we typically see them. Sometimes into September. But Dave said every year the Japanese beetles come and annihilate my plum tree. I believe it. There is, there is only one bird that eats these beetles, and that is the English sparrow. They don't eat enough to make a difference, but I like <laughs> them for it. I watched them teach their youngsters the technique. They park the kids in the elderberry bush and demonstrate. They have come in the cool morning when the beetles aren't too lively. Then they grab one and fly right down to the sidewalk where they pound the beetle to pieces and then eat it. (laughs) I watched the youngster try to repeat the performance, and they have a hard time at first grabbing a beetle. And then the bugs frequently escape on the way to the sidewalk, but eventually they get it. My sparrow mob loses members to cat and sharp-shinned hawk predation, and I worry that over the winter I will lose the adults that have the beetle-killing knowledge. I believe this has to be culture, knowledge that is passed from generation to generation, and I have no doubt. That's, I think that's great news, Dave. Uh, Leo Scorin, Dr. Leo, he's from Albert Lee. He said there's a pelican on Lake Chapeau, the lake in my backyard. It swims around the lake day and night continuously. He's been doing so since June. I've seen him try to flap his wings, but he does not appear to extend one of the wings too far. I've never seen it fly. All the other pelicans left our lake. I assume this one is injured and cannot fly. One of my patients told me there was a pelican that overwintered in the channel, so it appears they can survive our winters as long as there's open water and fish to eat. Lake Chapeau always freezes over, so it would not survive on our lake. Are pelicans that the D, are pelicans something that the DNR or other organizations get involved with? Even if he cannot be rehabilitated to fly, possibly transferring him to open water during the winter months may give him give him a chance to survive. What are your thoughts? Thanks for uh, letting me take a few minutes of your time. You're welcome, Leo. Uh, pelicans often hit utility wires. That's why you see some of the utility wires around some small lake, around some lakes, you see oh, like big orange or red balls on the lines, mm-hmm. and they'll put things on there to keep pelicans from flying oh. into those. Uh, they, when they fly into them, they usually damage wing, and, and that limits their flight ability. 
And we did have that one in Albert Lee that we counted on a number of Christmas bird counts because of that. And Leo, as you wrote, they do fine as long as they have open water and food. I don't pretend to speak for them, but I don't know that the DNR would be able to do much about one pelican. Pelicans are pretty common in their staff of the DNRs. I know stretch some, so uh, I again, I'm not speaking for the DNR, but I think that's probably the case. There is, uh, again, the Wildlife Rehabilitation, Rehabilitation Center in Roseville, and they accept injured pelicans and nearly every other kind of animal. The difficulty lies in capturing a pelican, and I caught one partially frozen in the ice mm. one year, and I caught another one that was so sick it was unable to evade my pursuit, and a third one that died uh, shortly after I got it in my truck. And I'm sorry I don't have a better answer for you. Uh, Linda Costed sent a photo of a black swallowtail. Uh, host plants, parsley, carrots, dill, fennel, celery, and Queen Anne's lace. And they're usually uh, flying around July to September. Ruth Searle of Woodbury says, Al, I've been thinking of you in my morning walks. Oh, I hope it wasn't when you stepped in that dog poop that somebody forgot to pick up, Ruth. But she said the city of Woodbury has been really good about creating ponds and wildflower areas in the different neighborhoods. I go by two lovely areas each morning. One of the ponds is big enough to support a variety of wildlife. A couple of days ago, I saw three river otters swimming and diving. It's good to have something positive to look forward to. Anyway, I'm wondering if you've ever seen a critter like this. He and his friends are eating my coral bells. She sent me a photo. And the uh, handsome devil is the caterpillar of the white-marked tussock moth. Uh, they are they're really beautiful. They have these little white tussocks. A uh, tussock, when I think of tussock, I think of like a compact tuft of grass or, or sedge, mm-hmm. perhaps. But they are, they've got red on them, they've got yellow on them, these little uh, caterpillars. And they also have t- stinging hairs, and they're called urticating hairs. And I typically see them feeding on tree leaves. Uh, mostly hardwoods, but I know they will go to even our evergreens to eat. Uh, I know when I was a kid, they told me if you got stung by one of those guys, or those stinging hairs, uh, purslane, if you just crush up purslane, brings relief. And years ago, if my memory serves me correctly, and it occasionally does, I talked to a fellow that had a Christmas tree farm. And he told me that those tussock moths were one of the banes of his existence. So they are, uh, they are out there. Donna and Dwayne Swenson of Wasika wondered about a crane, a sandhill crane that had no red cap. Uh, sandhill crane juveniles are brownish, and they don't have that red crown because they acquire the adult plumage during their second year. Bud. Bud works for a senior perspective, and a lot of you have probably seen us in newspapers available at the libraries and things, in Glenwood. He said, Al, I had an interesting brush with nature in my backyard last night, minding my own business, sitting outside around 6.45 p.m., 
when I started seeing bugs flying around me. After a little investigation on my hands and knees, I could see them all over the yard. Small yellow ants were crawling around, and these larger flying ants were climbing the grass until they could take off. I looked down the street and could see them in the air for blocks, quite the sight. Half an hour later, it had slowed way down, much fewer in the air. I thought it was interesting that they all took off at the same time and it was over so quick. Do you know anything about their antics? Yeah, that is great, bud, antics. Um, The worker ants that make up a majority of a colony are sterile. The remaining male and female ants have wings only during mating. So in typically early spring and then getting into late summer, male and female winged ants leave their colonies to form mating swarms. And swarming often occurs in the afternoon or early evening, usually a a day or two after a heavy rain when the weather is warm and humid. Ants frequently swarm over prominent landscapes, such as trees or chimneys, and this phenomenon is known as hilltopping. Mm. When ants are swarming, it's not uncommon to see predators such as dragonflies, swallows, or even gulls feeding on the ants in the air. When the swarming ceases, the male ants die, and each mated female bites off her wings. And if you look... Yeah, if you look around on the ground after this, you will see shed wings lying about after a swarming has occurred. That's and very odd. Up. Why would you do that? <laughs> I know. They say, yeah, it uh, it provides, she's using energy when okay. she doesn't need them to oh. provide for those wings. So she's going to just, it's flotsam or, or jetsam, whichever one that would be, and she's <laughs> tossing it off. And now she's off to establish her own colony. And uh, just got one from uh, Kevin. says, Hi, Al, this is Kevin from Truman. I am seeing more moths and butterflies than I have ever seen before and can't help but wonder why, what are they, and what they will become, especially wondering about the yellow butterflies and the monarch-looking ones, too. Can't find a good answer on Google. This year must be the year of the moth. Yeah, Kevin, I think every year is the year of the moth. There's just a lot of them out there. And I think these are uh, green clover worms, moths, or a lot of the moths we're seeing now, I believe. But as far as the yellow butterflies, if they're the small ones, they are uh, sulfurs of one kind or another. And they're really cool little guys. They like alfalfa and things like that for host plants and any legumes. And I will send you more photos that I've taken of butterflies, Kevin, than you ever want. If you take a look at it, and um, you feel free to just delete right away. But I will, I will send you some. The monarch one is always a problem for me because I uh, people will see monarch in different butterflies. I found so. Oh, before uh, you go he, talking about butterflies, yeah. I got a text with a question. Oh, sure. Uh, somebody with a comment, actually, and I don't know who, but they said, I had a black and yellow butterfly at my broccoli flowers on Monday. Never saw one uh, Never saw one before. It was as big as a monarch. Black and yellow butterfly. What do you think that could be? Yeah, and it's, uh, uh, I wonder if it's mostly black, 
or how does it, that's that's the whole thing. That's all I have. It. Yes, I just had a, yeah. a black and yellow butterfly as big as a monarch. So that's your clues. Yeah, and isn't it cool that we get out in the gardens and we can see all these things? Uh, somebody said if you knew what two thousand and or 2020 was going to be like, what would you have done differently? I said I probably wouldn't have bought a calendar to begin with. And then the second thing I would have done was uh, plan for a lot larger garden. But I'm sure what you're seeing there is a black swallowtail that uh, Linda Kofstad had sent me a photo of. And they are black and yellow. And some people call them parsnip swallowtails. And it's found through much of North America, and it is seriously admired for its beauty. It's just one. uh, I think they're so beautiful. They might, I know some people say they might be considered a pest because of Mm. some of the garden plants that the caterpillar feeds on. But that is really cool that you saw that. And I think it brings good luck. I have no idea that it does, but I think pretty much everything brings good luck. Al, and then uh, another yeah. text I just got, I want to make sure I sure. get this in, is from my friend John in New Ulm. You know, he's been off for a while visiting his dad, but he yep. says, I'll bet Al knows this one, which means you don't. I don't. Yeah. Why <laughs> Why didn't the muffler do its job? It was exhausted. Right. Next one. How do you make a waterbed more bouncy? Uh, boy, freeze it. Use spring water. <laughs> oh, spring water. You're God, one and you one. Know, I would have I won a brand new Buick, too, I know, if I'd have got that second one right. There John you go. doesn't, uh, yeah. Uh, Pete Hoger saw a common gallinule in Watton County, and Andrew Longton in Dodge County saw a red-shouldered hawk and an upland sandpiper. Um, I want to thank everybody for listening. You know, my wife uh, does the grocery shopping. I sit in the car and um, just watch things and uh, listen to the radio. And she was in the grocery store. She wanted to buy a seedless watermelon, and the store kept their watermelons in one of those huge boxes at the end of an (laughs) aisle. You all seen them there. And there was only one melon left in that container. It was way down in the corner. And she couldn't reach it. You know, she's reaching for it, but she's afraid she's going to fall in the box and people would be taking photos of her with their cell phones <laughs> and things. And she looked around and she said there were no big people around to help her. I have been asked often to grab an item from the top shelf for someone. They'll just come up and say, could you get that for me up there? And I don't mind. I'm vertically enhanced, and the one that always asks me isn't. One day I'm going to ask a short person to get me something from the bottom shelf. Uh, That would be good, and I could use the help. Remember, folks, Heartland is well worth driving past. Thanks for listening to me, and do something wild today. Get out there and look at a bird. Thank you, Karen, as always, for your exquisite company. And stop... uh, Stop tormenting.